This week in the parish of bourses and market structure, T plus one month settlement window for the UK group to suggest a T plus one plan. TMX buys Vetify. Hearty congratulations to Bonnie Chan on becoming the first female CEO of Hong Kong Exchanges. And SIBO unifies its Canada assets. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, our last installment of 2023, episode 225. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest Daily Subscriber Newsletter. The unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. And don't forget, if you want to keep up with what's happening in the world of bourses, now is the time to make your New Year's resolution. Sign up at exchangeinvest.com. You can have a 30-day free trial to the Exchange of Information. Over in BitCarnage, in the run-up to Christmas, in the parallel universe of crypto version 1.0, it seems Forbes is looking for a crypto ma- messiah ahead of, you know, happy holidays, as the politically correct Americans moronically intone. Anyway, the former NICE president is Forbes' choice for crypto messiah, a role currently open. The informal kingly role, having several pretenders like CZ and SBF, who are currently awaiting jail sentences, while Brian Armstrong barely seems to be capable of opening his mouth without distributing his foot inside it. Thus, Forbes asks, will former NICE boss Tom Farley be the next crypto king? Meanwhile, the one lesson every crypto v1.0 entity appears to have learned from SBF's antics is that you really can try to buy the government. So, here we have v2.0 ahead of the US general election next year, Ripple, Coinbase, A16, Invest. A total of $78 million in a pro-crypto pack ahead of US elections, according to Zero Hedge. Unsurprisingly, that approach is not meeting a warm welcome from Senator Focahontas as Elizabeth Warren pushes back at blockchain lobbying efforts. In lawfare, the death of one theme of the year, FORFUD, has been further confirmed by the US court system as the CFTC action has been approved by a judge and thus CZ loses $150 million and Binance another $2.7 billion via the CFTC action. The US SEC, of course, are still fighting Binance. In bankruptcy news, with a 90% return possible apparently after the recent crypto comeback, FTX have resolved the dispute between the US and Bahamaian liquidators, allowing a joint settlement through either the Bahamaian or US process respectively. Pragmatic and sensible good news. However, this week's a bit carnage lawfare shock is a Voltafaci in Podgorica. Montenegrin court cancels extradition approval for Do Kwon. No trip to the US for the time being then for now. The Do Kwon case is returning to the lower court in Montenegro to be reheard. 
Let's end the year in BitCarnage by visiting the optimistic side of the ledger, suggesting V1.0 crypto can limp into survival mode and beyond. Morningstar reports, and I quote the headline, how a big, messy cleanup in crypto could pave way for a more regulated, mature market in 2024. Thanks to all of those of you who've been reading BitCarnage all year. If you enjoyed this excerpt, you may be interested to know you can read BitCarnage every day in Exchange Invest. Alternatively, if you want to follow BitCarnage, the daily update on happenings in the world of crypto and digital assets, then you can find BitCarnage as a standalone on Substack. In the world of legacy mega exchanges, Hong Kong exchanges have named Bonnie Chan as their first woman chief executive, succeeding Nicholas Agazin as head of Asia's third largest stock market. After talk of perhaps a one-year extension, CEO Nicholas Agazin has opted to move on. All the very, very best to Gucho. Hearty congratulations to elevated co-COO Bonnie Chan, who becomes CEO. It's interesting that ahead of her retirement as chairman next year, Laura Cha has secured a woman for the top HKEX role, having now appointed two CEOs during her term. The arrival of the accomplished banker, lawyer and long-term exchange practitioner, Ms. Chan, is a terrific message to send along to the listed companies resisting board diversity in the SAR. All the more so when the message has been sent by the inestimable chairman, Ms. Cha. Hong Kong is at a very interesting position, and I just don't buy the doom-laden tales of woe on any level at all. Yes, the Chinese equities business is cyclically challenging right now, but La Chan is spot on when she says there are immense opportunities ahead. That's not just the next mainland bull market in equities, but take the incredible value revolution in HKEX, which will be the yield curve trading in RMB coming soon. The ongoing expansion of Connect is a huge success, masked by the Chinese bear market. The Connect link exists, functions and will flourish more and more as the Chinese equity cycle turns bullish again. The arrival of ETD yield curve trade has the potential to double or triple the valuation of Hong Kong Exchange's stock in the next five to seven years, if not sooner, regardless of any other product set. I remain incredibly excited at the prospects for HKEX, even if it seems most writing about the company have aligned their views with Dr. Seuss's seasonal Grinch. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com, with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or, if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome, wherever you find this podcast. Meanwhile, it's been a great year for the U.S. stock exchanges. NICE welcoming 32 transfer listings, the second highest total since 2002, including 20 operating company transfers, adding a market cap of $120 billion. NASDAQ had a great run of listings, raising $13 billion from 125 IPOs. The more listing-restrictive NICE doesn't publish their grand totals, as they wouldn't actually allow under their eligibility rules many of those that are listed elsewhere. The 26 switches to NASDAQ represented $374 billion, a record, including the largest of all time to Nasdaq, Linda, $200 billion in its own right. The conclusion? Well, as you may recall, a statistic I've been banging on about recently. 15-year growth trajectory for EU, 6% in total. USA growth since 2008, 82%. Congratulations to both US exchanges, NICE and Nasdaq, on another magnificent year leading the Paris stock markets.
Meanwhile, the BBC invited Nasdaq's global head of listings onto their primetime breakfast radio show, and Karen Snow noted Nasdaq is on the hunt for more UK firms to list in the US, according to the BBC's own headlines. No surprise that they're getting a lot of calls from UK companies. But at the same time, when you deal with the UK, there is a certain element of parochialism, making it a tough issue. You ought to be listed in the US right now, as London is a risk-off parochial financial centre. But then again, to succeed in the USA, you need a success-focused mindset, which is bigger than many UK management teams can readily conceive. Nevertheless, absolute zero shock that Nasdaq's global head of listings, Karen Snow, is seeing her team receive a lot of calls from UK companies eyeing wistfully the great valuations across the go-go Atlantic. Meanwhile, the London Stock Exchange empowers the modernisation of Mauritanians' financial markets through innovative collaboration with BCM. As you rush off to try and find Mauritania on a map, I can safely say I didn't see this innovation coming. North of Nasdaq HQ, within a fortnight of Joss Schmidt's retirement as President and CEO of CBO Canada, the CBO have rationalised all their Canadian assets into one hierarchy. Makes sense on first glance. Big appeal news. Lawfare in the conventional exchange world. The US fund Elliott can appeal the London court decision on the LME lawsuit. That's a concern for LME that the nickel nightmare is not over and other London venues will be concerned. Lest Elliott can move the dial on what was a rather comprehensive loss upholding the primacy of exchange venues in the UK at the original trial. Meanwhile, LME says new sanctions may curb UK entities' Russian metal deals and LME's launched a consultation on when to suspend the market in volatile trading as it seeks to move on from the nickel nightmare. T plus one equity settlement is coming. Well, there'll be another step forward in T plus one month at least for the consultation stage as the UK Settlement Task Force to deliver T plus one report will take place in January as the timeline debate rumbles on. Elsewhere, Kazakhstan's bourse is showing interest in joining Stock Connect program with China and Hong Kong. A very coherent bot idea from case boss Alina Aldenbergian, who was of course one of our many great guests on IPOVID, our live stream during the course of the year. In this case it was Alina Aldenbergian making the case for Kazakhstan on January the 31st of 2023. In results this week, just one key result and it came from a private company. Nonetheless, it's the private company a lot of people think about in the world of exchanges. The Swiss exchange, they've been driven into an expected loss. That was a $1 billion plus impairment charge. They're eating broadly in relation to writing down their strategic 10.6% stake in Worldline, amongst other issues. In new markets this week, India has a social stock exchange. Meanwhile, the world's largest bourse building has also been inaugurated in India. Indeed, it's the world's largest corporate office building. The Surat Diamond Bursa, not quite at the epicentre of the regulated parish, but nonetheless an exchange, has been officially opened by none other than the Indian Prime Minister, Narendra Modi. Deals news this week. Two interesting deals to highlight for the last Exchange Invest weekly podcast of 2023. The TMX Group have announced an agreement to acquire the 78% of Vetafi stock they didn't already own for 848 million US dollars. Well over a billion dollars Canadian, in other words. 
very interesting. TMX made a strategic investment in Vetify in January 2023, acquiring 22%, and now they've come back to buy all of the company. Vetify is a fascinating US-based data play with original data and indices. It makes for a bold play, and I can't help but feel it's the first move by Chairman Luc Bertrand to diversify the TMX. Ultimately, there is a relatively modest opportunity in Canada for TMX to grow, but south of the border, it's a different story. And Vetify gives them, plain and simply, a very solid physical base in the major US financial centres. Besides, the transaction is expected to be accretive to adjusted earnings per share in year one, excluding any potential synergies. Good luck to Chairman Luc Bertrand, formerly CEO of the Montreal Exchange, who has had an incredible track record of as an out-of-the-box thinker and deal-doer in the parish of exchanges. Finally this week in Deals News, final deal of the year, in fact, Leon Tech. They are a specialist in issuing their own structured products. They've acquired 10% stake in BX Swiss from the Stuttgart Stock Exchange. BX Swiss is now based in Zurich, but as you will recall, that was originally the Bern Stock Exchange. Meanwhile, if you're looking for something for reading over the Christmas holiday period, you may just have time to manage to get a copy. If you want to understand how technology is affecting life and markets, check out my most recent book, Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World. Victory or Death is published by DV Books and distributed by Ingram Worldwide. If you're looking for something to watch over the holiday period, don't forget you can catch all the back issues of our live stream, IPO-vid, on YouTube, Facebook and LinkedIn. Just search IPO-vid. Then there's our Finance Book of the Week. This week's book was written by Bethany McLean and Peter Elkind. The smartest guys in the room takes the reader deep into Enron's past and behind the closed doors of private meetings. It's a story of greed, arrogance and deceit, a microcosm of all that many might think is wrong with American business today. Above all, this is a fascinating human drama that will prove to be the authoritative account of the Enron scandal of 20 years ago. You can get our books of the week free via our weekly newsletter that is coming out on a Saturday. That's our more macro look at the world, Exchange Invest Weekly. You can sign up at exchangeinvest.com. And equally, if you want to subscribe to Exchange Invest, the exchange of information, the daily newsletter of the Bourse business, get in quick. It's only $349 per user per year to join right now, but it's going up to $375 in the new year. Jump on board now before the end of the year. Get yourself a free trial for 30 days and then you'll be paying $349 a year. Product news this week. NCDEX, the Indian Commodity Exchange, continues to fight back from having 70% of their market destroyed in 2021 when seven key commodities were banned from trading. They're planning to launch more non-agri commodity futures in 2024. LME, busy week for them. They're planning new metal contracts using Shanghai Futures Exchange prices, according to sources. And in the green market, Carbon Futures to Transform Green Market led the Australian headline this week with a profile of FEX Global. Congratulations to Brian Price and the FEX team on pioneering the carbon market where ASX had been talking about a 2023 launch for their carbon platform, but that too seems to have slipped back a while into next year.
Technology news. Ice and Blockstream are adding cryptocurrency options data to joint offerings on the crypto ICE consolidated data feed. And Nasdaq published a very interesting paper this week about cloud adoption amongst financial market infrastructures. In case you haven't noticed, the future of market infrastructure is in the cloud. And here's Nasdaq explaining how the ducks line up and indeed how the future looks in a world beyond on-prem. Alas, Nasdaq also had a little bit of a glitch this week, which was a rather frustrating, impacting stock orders and affecting 50 clients before they had to roll back the concerned application to a previous version. Meanwhile, TCS, they've gone and done it again. They're going to now be modernizing the post-trade market infrastructure for Switzerland's six. Another TCS client sign up after a spectacular Q4 and yet... Well, I have to say I remain rather unconvinced given the recent track record of delivery where several clients are seemingly delayed and we know the MCX move away from 63 moons to TCS was, to put it mildly, challenging. Not sure if TCS will be involved here, but the new Latin American market, Nuamex, which is a merger of several key practices in South of America, they're going to be involving an integrated clearing and post-trade network. Of course, previously they announced on December the 6th that they have a pivotal partnership with NASDAQ to develop their overall tech platform. In regulation news, as we rush to the end of a bumper edition to finish out the year, the US regulators have floated a cybersecurity plan in response to the ION hack, which is entirely unsurprising. The ramifications of the ION mega snafu will continue to see regulatory intervention for some time to come. Career paths, of course, the biggest news of the week was CEO Nicholas Agassin leaving the firm at the same time as Bonnie Chan is elevated to CEO on a three-year contract, having been chief co-chief operating officer until the announcement last week. Also, SGX, they group there, they've announced new head of equities effect mid-2024. Nji Yao Lung and Janice Khan will be co-head of equities. The search for a new CFO is underway and Nji Yao Lung will continue to serve as CFO until then. And then we have a story, ladies and gentlemen, to finish the year at the epicentre of Big World and the parish. The disgraced BP chief executive, Looney, Bernard Looney, has missed out on a £32 million pay package after serious misconduct allegations. There we are at the intersection of Big World with an announcement which might have parish ramifications. This was, of course, a UK multinational BP, but there is still pending the case of former SIBO CEO Ed Tilley, who'd received $70 million during his decade-long tenure as CEO of SIBO. Might SIBO yet be in a position where they similarly either hold back remuneration or indeed, as is the case with Mr Looney, claw back some of the already paid remuneration? Please note, I've no idea what has happened in either case and indeed SIBO have been coy with details. But there may be an issue for the SIBO board to consider. Watch this space in 2024, perhaps. And finally, let's look at a rather more sticky, succulent topic. In a diversion from the usual stuff about macro politics and more, a useful fun fact to end the year on a sweet note. The Netherlands are the world's largest per capita consumers of licorice, consuming four pounds, that's 1.8 kilos, annually per head of population. The almost unpronounceable glizzerzen is a natural sweetener which is found in the licorice plant and it's 50 times sweeter than sugar. One could therefore extrapolate, this makes the Dutch the sweetest people on earth.
And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young, builder of markets the world over. I'm looking forward to some very exciting projects in 2024, as well, of course, as leading the team with Exchange Invest, the exchange of information, which can be yours for only $375 per annum as a subscriber from the 1st of January, 349 if you get in fast. I wish you all a very happy Christmas, a wonderfully peaceful, healthy, happy and prosperous new year. We'll be back in 2024 with episode 226 of the EI Weekly Podcast. Thanks for listening. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.